0: This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of The Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. You will look in your bulletin if you notice, if you're one of the that reads the bulletin, that we're going to talk about the Sabbath and Exodus today, but we're not going to do that. It has been quite a week at the Self House, uh, we have had some illness, got some colds going around with my kids and stuff, but also my dad, our planting pastor, Doug Self, has been in the hospital on and off, he has pneumonia, and then they found some uh, new infection in his liver causing that, and so he is waiting to fly to Denver, where they will do a, it seems to be a more complicated surgery that could lead to full recovery, but he is uh, he's had a rough week, well, a couple weeks actually, and so if he is somebody that you know and has meant something to you, I know he would appreciate an email or a text, uh, not a visit for right now, but be praying for him as he fights this infection and gets back to full health. And for today, um, I've been praying that God would be so kind as we have made some adjustments today based on the illness and things going on. And um, my prayer for you has been that no matter what I say, that um, God would move in your life. And I just want to remind us of a few things first one we remind ourselves of is that God is in charge of this church. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the main thing here. The second one is that no matter how good I preach, I can never say anything that will change you in any way. The Spirit of God is the only one who has the sacred privilege of walking the, 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 the road of your spirit and soul to speak into those places to truly change you. And so who do I want to speak today? Who do I want to be fully present? Um, if, even if I'm sick or not sick, it is Jesus and His Spirit. So I'm praying that you would be... Um, That you'd be changed today, that you would leave today different than when you came in. And so, with that, we're going to talk about something that has science to it. Because, you know, I love science. Science is good. There is growing scientific evidence that if you will apply today's message, you will live longer and you will experience a better life. Have you ever been to a sermon where they say that in the first sentence of the actual sermon? If you apply this sermon, you could live longer. And have a happier, better experience. Today's sermon, even that child, if you, if you apply this to your life, it can reverse depression, change diapers, silence anxiety. It can do all kinds of things. This sermon is, a, is, is something that can actually bring peace to relational turmoil in our lives. Now, that's a tall promise, but if you don't believe me, I'm going to bring in lots of scientists and philosophers and actually prophets we're going to talk to you about the same thing of what God is going to do in us and through us. And today we're talking about gratitude. Now, gratitude is something that can change your everyday experience. And here we are on Thanksgiving week. And so it's, an, it's a great time to talk about gratitude. But here's what I know is that gratitude is not shiny or charismatic. Like you don't hear the preacher go, today we're talking about gratitude. And you go, man, I, I signed up for this today. Like, you know, like gratitude, is just, it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's like I said, it's not charismatic. It's not shiny. It's not, but what we're going to look at today is amazing and it can change us. And it's, it's so ironic that this is the week we talk about it because many of you are going to sit around the table and pretend to be grateful for other family. I mean, you're going to be grateful for the family that's gathered with you and, and you're going to have a moment where you go around and say, what are the things <laughs> that you are thankful for? And you will recount them. And then you're gonna eat some food, or a lot of food. You're gonna watch football. You're gonna take a nap. You're gonna to go to bed fully content. And then your alarm's gonna go off early the next morning, and you are going to discontentedly sprint to the store for Black Friday and buy that toaster that you do not need. What I love about this season is we have a day of such gratitude, and we just, we, we sink into it, and we, we, we are so thankful, and then immediately we have all the shopping and the discontentment of, I need that waffle maker. Why? I don't know. I just, I have to have it. Um, what a time to be alive, you know? Gratitude is something that, that we, we can be disappointed in the topic, but I want you to give me some grace and lean into this message, because I, I think you're going to hear some things you haven't heard before. And my prayer is that this is going to not only impact your week, this is going to impact your life. Gratitude, more than any other virtues, is the one that can lead to increased peace of mind and joy in your life. And in the midst of all the things that you're facing right now, and many of you are very busy. Many of you, like, like, like we've had this past week, there's diagnoses out there, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's worry, there's busyness, there's all these things in our lives that happen, and you're no different. In the midst of all that, gratitude can completely and radically change our perspective. It can change our experience in whatever you're facing. So why is, it more, why is gratitude so important? Well, there are reasons that are, go well beyond just the emotional, nice, warm fuzzies that a preacher would say. It's physical. Gratitude can lead to a healthier, longer life. Scientists have been studying gratitude because they are astounded at the effects that it has on not only our emotions, but our minds, our our bodies, our everything. Listen to this quote from a science journal. Gratitude uh, may also benefit people with various medical and psychological challenges. For example, one study found that more grateful cardiac patients reported better sleep, less fatigue, and they had lower levels of cellular inflammation. Cellular inflammation was reduced in the group that had gratitude present. And another found that heart failure patients who kept a gratitude journal for eight weeks were not only experienced more happiness in their life, they had reduced inflammation after surgery compared to the others. Several studies have found that more grateful people experience less depression. It's also found that for some reason they're more resilient following a traumatic event. Other studies suggest that gratitude may live up to its reputation as, quote, the mother of all virtues because it encourages the development of virtues such as patience. Gratitude leads to humility. Gratitude leads to all virtues. In fact, there's a growing confirmation that you will live longer, experience a better life, a happier life, a healthier life, the more gratitude you have in your life. Science is telling us these things. All these. In fact, I, I, I want to talk about telomeres for a second. And you guys, you, you research, you know what telomeres are, right? Some of you? Telomeres are the part of your DNA code, it's, it's, the, um, it's the tail end of your DNA. And every time your telomeres replicate, every time your DNA replicates, the telomeres get shorter and shorter and shorter. And shorter telomeres lead to illness, aging, mental acuity um, going down, uh, other issues, and shortened telomeres result in death. Shortened telomeres are our mortality, and the more our DNA replicates, the shorter and shorter they get. So if you can strengthen, if you can lengthen your physical DNA telomeres, your mental acuity and your physical health will perhaps even lengthen your lifespan. And here's the astounding part. There is evidence that gratitude is one of the absolute fewest practices you can ever take part in that will actually protect and extend your telomeres. Your DNA is impacted by your level of gratitude is what science is telling us. Because of your telomeres, your health, your mental health, your emotional health, your lifespan, all impacted by gratitude. It's hard to believe psychologists and scientists have been seeing these profound effects of gratitude on our psyche and our biology, emotionally, all these things at a cellular level, a cellular level. And it has caused the scientific community such a curiosity about this that they, of course, they begin to look at the well, where's the origins of gratitude? If gratitude affects us at the cellular DNA level, then where does it come from? And they have began to find from a science perspective, they believe that the reason it affects us at a level that most things do not is because we, uh, are, we evolved with gratitude being a necessary part of the human existence that as we evolved, uh, gratitude became something that actually fuels and changes our hearts, minds, and bodies. And there's a Berkeley study that suggests... Um, that it says this, quote, research suggests that gratitude is not a cultural construct. It has deep roots that are embedded in the evolutionary history of our brains and DNA. Now that's what science is saying, that this thing called gratitude that we kind of roll our eyes at sometimes is so intrinsically vital to our life and existence. Oh, it had to evolve into that. But we know we were created in the image of a loving God. We know that we, we have his imprint upon us. We, so gratitude isn't some uh, uh, mistaken evolutionary development. Gratitude is a virtue that flows from heaven, from our heavenly father, from him, for us. Gratitude, it seems, is something God created to increase your joy, your peace, your health, and even your longevity. It's, if it's that important, then I'm going to ask the question, what happens if we aren't grateful? Because you come into here your a sermon, you're like, oh, I need to do better at this, but, but I'm not doing great at it. Some of you probably do great. Some of you, maybe you're struggling and this is a wake-up call. I need to be more grateful. Oh yeah, I need to do that. What, what do we need to do? What happens if we cease to be thankful for what we have? What happens when we stop being content with what is ours? What happens when we stop being grateful for who we are, how God created us? When that happens, they're finding that depression grows like weeds, where gratitude is absent. Anxiety and worry run rampant in hearts where there's no gratitude there to buffer and boundary the anxiety. Greed develops where gratitude is not present to shield against it lust spreads like wildfire gossip comparison all these things if the scientists are right and our dna and telomeres actually shorten through our life our mental and physical selves decline rapidly gratitude is proving to be one of the most important virtues in our modern world but this is nothing new gratitude has been called in history the mother of virtues in fact roman cicero quoted this it says he said gratitude is not only the greatest of the virtues it's the parent of the virtues. That generosity, generosity is the child of gratitude. Because those who are grateful for what they have, joyfully give it to others. Authenticity, being an authentic person, is, is, is the fruit of gratitude. Because that person isn't comparing or pretending, or manipulating how they are perceived to others because gratitude holds them in who they are. Peace grows out of gratitude because you can cease your striving and worrying about what you don't have or what is threatening what you currently hold. I could go through all 40 of these virtues, but but needless to say, gratitude is not only in our DNA, it's the good virtue that our character is rooted in. So we have scientists, we have psychologists, we have biologists, we have philosophers throughout history coming together to tell you, to tell me, that gratitude is vital to your existence. Gratitude protects, it boundaries, it, 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 it creates a life that maybe be a life and life to the full if gratitude is more present. But there's more reasons for gratitude than just our DNA and science and philosophers. and Jesus' followers have all the reason to be grateful. One reason is because 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18, here's what it says. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in what? Give thanks in? I'm sorry. Give thanks in? Balcony, give thanks in? All circumstances. And I looked up the Greek, and the Greek there means all. It's not like, well, except for when the in-laws are in town except for when things go bad, except for when the diagnosis is hanging out there. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, but catch this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Gratitude is God's will for you. Gratitude in every circumstance, in all circumstance, not only does your body and soul and, and in your mind respond to it, God has declared from the throne, it's his will for you that you would have a life full of gratitude. And there's a reason our DNA responds to it. Again, because he, he's willed it, he's created it. You were designed from gratitude and you're designed for gratitude. Science is simply uncovering what God has already done. It's no cosmic accident that this is embedded within us. It is cosmically designed, created for it. And so our bodies are deliberately made this way. Our minds formed, our emotions. You were created by God to have this buoyancy of joy and peace that no matter what life brings your way, gratitude can hold those things high above the water. You were created to run at top efficiency, not only mentally and emotionally, but cellular in your DNA, when you are grateful and thankful. You were designed to live your best life, not when you get everything that you want and finally get those things. You were designed to live your greatest life when you are grateful for what you already have been given. So why intentionally pursue gratitude? Because you're made for it. Because God commands it. It's his will for you. And this is why this message is so important here on Thanksgiving week. Because if we look at our lives, and if if we have the time to go around, and maybe in your growth group you will do this, in your community group, you'll go around and talk about what you're facing and discuss what life is bringing your way. And not only does our life and circumstances bring it, uh, but our culture reminds us, the news is a megaphone that tells us there is, there is no peace in our nation, that there's no unity, there's no equality, that our kids aren't safe, that, that we don't have the money for our dreams in the future, let alone the money for our needs in the present, that housing and healthcare and happiness, uh, that their prices are all-time high. We have stats tell us that we are more lonely than ever before. Despite being surrounded by people, Americans are more lonely than ever. There's so much in our culture that tells us, you, you have so much to be ungrateful about. There is so much our culture will tell you that you, are, you should be um, discontent. Have you ever watched TV? Of course you have. Have you ever watched TV on a fast when you haven't eaten in a while? Like the worst thing in the world comes on the commercial. And like, man, I could really go for that. I mean, all they're doing is preying on the fact that I'm now discontent. I now need, I watch, we watch commercials at our house and we will mute them and my eight-year-old daughter, she will talk to them for us. She makes up her own commercial but one thing that she finally turned to me and she, go, she said, she goes, Daddy, why is it when someone, they hand somebody a phone they smile and get happy? When you watch commercials on silent with an eight-year-old narrating, you begin to find out that, yeah, they are, like, uh, life's okay but now I have a phone or now I have a car. All the TV does is tell you, you're discontent. You're ungrateful. You probably need more. You need the new. You need more. Look at these people. They got one thing and they're happy. Oh, don't you want to be happy? Our culture just does this. We live in a world that preys on our discontent. So much so that around this time of year, there's a special piece of mail that arrives. In the mail at your houses, a piece of mail may show up that is the most powerful piece of mail in the self household and i know you're thinking you're like oh this is a ballot a ballot where you can make a mark and change the future of our area or our nation no it's not a ballot Th- this piece of mail arrives at my house and it's so powerful it transforms regular everyday children into greedy whiny kids it's called the christmas toy catalog i don't know who invented this i I'm sure, well actually I do, Genesis tells us about this person, so it's, it's 100 pages of pure discontent, page after page, it just tells your child, here's what you don't have, and, and, and 10 minutes before that piece of mail arrived, my house was at peace, and my kids were happy with what they had in their room, but now that that's here, Everything in their room doesn't count. And in the past years, the catalog overlords finally did something incredible. I mean, they just, they did something like the audacity of it and just the wisdom on their point. They sent a toy catalog and it had all the toys, but it was missing one itty bitty tiny thing on every page. They removed the price. And that was the only ally I had as a father to tell them why they couldn't get the $200 Lego set. And now I don't even have that. They're like, Daddy, I want this. I'm like, but what's the price? It doesn't say, oh, okay. The price tag was a parent's best friend and they removed it. The toys in the catalog don't have prices on it. But man, it costs families and households their peace. It costs children their contentment. There's a steep price for that little catalog in my house. In my house, that catalog ceases to exist. It never makes its way back to the house anymore. Unfortunately, it gets lost in the trash can on the way. This is nothing new. Look to Genesis and we see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in perfection. Gratitude was a part of their daily life as if they were breathing it. Gratitude was a part of their DNA and uh, just telomeres as long as you could because everything was perfect and they breathed and they were content. But there in the garden, the very first marketing agent decided that he would advertise an apple. Hmm. And his sales pitch was in gratitude for everything that God had already given them. A Christmas catalog with an apple with no price tag, but the cost was huge. Soon, those people there, their contentment faded, discontent grew, ungrateful in paradise and desiring what they were not intended to partake of, and you know what? The apple, like I said, didn't have a price tag, but it was costly to all of us, and every day since then, we have had to battle ingratitude and discontentment, and every day since then, marketing continues to tell us, you could do be better, you could be happier if you had, if you were, think of social media. All social media is sometimes is an advertisement for what someone else has that I don't. Like they have the one picture from their vacation that looks so perfect. while well, we fought on our vacation, but you would never know that in a picture, would you? There's four enemies of gratitude that you're going to face. And I want you to take some time and maybe think on how these are affecting you. The first enemy of gratitude is comparison. It's called the thief of joy. This is something we talk about a lot in the self-household because one of my children will decorate something and be very proud of it and then see their siblings and go, mine's terrible. And nothing changed other than the comparison. That happens every day in our lives. Social media is nothing more than a comparison trap to have us look at what they have, how they look, how happy they are, and then we compare it to our lives. People putting their best photos and quotes and selves forward. Comparison with another kills gratitude unlike most any other thing in your life. Where are you comparing to other people? Who are you comparing to other people that will rob your gratitude? And as we've learned, gratitude is vital to a happy, happy, healthy life and spiritual life. You cannot be grateful for who you are while comparing yourself to someone else on social media. You cannot be grateful for what you have if you compare it to what somebody else has. Another enemy of gratitude, is the second one, is entitlement. Entitlement is is the belief that I am inherently deserving of special treatment. The culture has seduced us into believing that we deserve privileges, that by their nature are privileges, not rights. You can't feel entitled and grateful at the same time. We often feel entitled to happiness as if the world or somebody owes it to us. And when anything bumps into what's making us happy, when anything bumps into our entitlement that, that people and these things should make us happy, our gratitude is jettisoned. It is gone. The third, the third one is busyness. We get so caught up in our world and our culture of rushing around, that we don't stop and recognize and appreciate what we do have. We don't stop and pause and recognize what we have been given and let it bloom and blossom. Busyness will speed us right through something to be thankful of and onto the next discontentment. Busyness will, will take you right through a blessing and get you to your next, well, what's, what, what, what don't I have? Busyness just makes us mute. It gives us blinders to gratitude. In the busyness of life, we just forget how much God has blessed us. The fourth is worry. Worry, is another that de- worry has declared war on gratitude. Worry is mentally and emotionally living in a future that doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. And living in a future that doesn't exist, that may be terrible, guess what that does to your present? It robs you any recognition that you have blessing in the moment. It robs any understanding that I'm healthy or I'm, I'm joyful or I'm, I can be at peace or even if I'm not healthy, even if there's nothing peaceful around me, I can have God's gratitude and peace within me and holding me. Worry won't let gratitude put down roots because instead of looking at the now with joy and contentment, we're constantly looking ahead with dread. Oh no what if? What if? Comparison, entitlement, worry, and busyness, the four horsemen of our culture that are robbing our lives of something that not only have scientists declared impacts our DNA and our cells, but God has willed it that you would experience and step in on. So how do we fight this? knowing that we were created for gratitude, that it protects our lives, even protects our bodies, how do we get back to it? And that's the good news today. You can always step into this. You can always start again, and you can begin... Listen, here, I just want to say this. The culture has waged war against your gratitude. You are at war. Whether you know it or not, doesn't matter. You're at war every time you turn on the TV. Every time something advertised to you is discontentment. So therefore... How are you going to fight back? You can begin this very week with intentional pursuit of gratitude. This right here, this jar, I brought this out about four or five years ago. This is a very special jar in the self house. I I left this morning. um, I had this under my arm, and my wife, she doesn't ask questions if I leave on Sundays with something. She knows it has to do with church, but she goes, just she goes, please be careful with that. She goes, that's really important. And she goes, don't leave it there. Make sure you come back with it. Like like this right here, this jar with these red things, this is very important and very big in the self family. In this are little pieces of paper, some with my writing, some with Amy's writing, some with Elijah's 10-year-old writing, some with Selah's eight-year-old writing. This is our gratitude jar. And throughout the year, we write down blessings that we have received, big and small, each of us, and put them in here. And then throughout the end of the year, starting at Thanksgiving, starting this next week, we'll pull out some and begin to read them, which is important. Do you know why this is important? Because we as a family forget. We forget some of these things. We forget. (laughs) We wrote this one in March that Stacy was healed. We forget. (laughs) My son, uh, this is in July, he got some Pro-V golf balls from somebody And if you're a golfer, you know that's a big deal. That He made sure that one was, as you can see, somebody's getting healed and someone's getting golf balls. These are gratitude little places where we're stopping and being grateful. Let's see what else we got in here. Elk to feed us for another year. Just gratitude. What else we got in here? Oh, the blessing, of, um, the blessing of a vacation. We went to Florida. Uh, there's, there's things in here like Selah. We, were, we got to go to the Creation Museum based on a blessing from some close friends of ours. And, and while we were there, Selah was enamored by this picture of this woman seeing Jesus for the first time. And the artist goes, I think you should just have that. It's hanging in her room now. And she goes, I want to write that down. One of these is about dental work with Dr. Johnson. Like, you know, a dental work makes the gratitude jar. Uh, there's all kinds of things in here. Yeah, I mean, this, this right here, this is sacred for the self-family. We're going to go through those. Uh, we forget. You know why? We forget in our busyness, in the chaos, in our illness, in, our, in the life. We forget. And when you forget the blessings, when you forget the blessings of the year, big and little, all in between, you make room for discontent. You make room for ingratitude to grow. And when you forget those blessings and it grows, it begins to take root. And the fruit of ingratitude, we see it in our lives. This thankful jar draws a line in the sand in my family and declares, declares that the self-family is blessed by God and by many of you. That we are a blessed family in big ways and small ways, but we will be grateful. We will stand on gratitude that God moves on our behalf, that, that, that generosity matters to us. And that our year was not defined by our losses or hardships. Our year was defined by our blessings. We've been been doing this for years. I would encourage you as a family to maybe step into this and begin to keep a grateful jar and and let your kids pull them out and read them and write them and and interact with it. The other thing that you can do today is begin a, a a gratitude journal. Many of you may have done this on your, on your own at different points. It's time to start it again if you've let that go. My wife, she has the personality where if she starts something, she can consistently just do it all the time every day. And I've watched up close as she keeps a great gratitude journal. I've seen a woman's character blossom and bloom as gratitude is part of her daily routine and who she is. She's grateful for me. I mean, you can know it works, right? I mean, It's amazing. I don't have her gift of discipline and so I have to set an alarm on my phone an alarm that goes off, gratitude journal. Oh, yeah. And then I go to my file on my phone and I type three more. I have a little a document that I'm building on my phone. And, and sometimes I'll go back up and read them. And, then, you know, you have to get creative because you can only thank God for your dog, you know, once that year. And then you have to do something else. Like you have, like you have to begin thinking and finding. And that's what happens once you begin to have a radar for what you're, gra- you're grateful for, you begin to see blessing. We have come to a culture where our radar is up for what we don't have. We just go through life seeing what we don't have, what we should have, what we want to have, and what gratitude does in a daily reminder is my radar becomes up for what I do have, what I have been given, and how good God is in my life. It's one of the ways that I'm working to obey God. When he said, it is his will that I'm thankful, that's one way we can do it. Our kids are homeschooled, and so Amy has this thing where they write and they color, and what it is is every day they have a thankful journal, and they say, I'm thankful for They fill it in, and they have to color it. And it's just so cool to see my children as we want to build this into their telomeres and their spiritual life and their mental health, everything that they would be children who grow up into adults who are healthy because they have feasted on gratitude, and they see what they have instead of just, going through a culture that at every turn will tell them, this is what you don't have. It's amazing to see the power of these things. We don't want our children to be entitled or stuck in worry or comparison. There's enough of that in our culture where we can help them, to train them. And then also, but for us, for you today, how can you begin to step into this and train your mind, your heart, and your eyes to see things that God has already given you and be grateful for it? Have you ever started praying? And oftentimes our prayers are just gimme, 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 gimme. God, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. I would challenge you next time you start praying to don't even get to the gimmies until you've got through the gratitude. Because what I've learned is when I start praying and I start thanking God for what he has given me, it changes my gimme prayers after. My gratitude grows and my discontentment shrinks. Pray prayers of gratitude out loud in your car as you're driving out when you're working around the house, wherever you're doing. Begin to have a gratitude conversation with your father before you ever get to the I needs and I wants. Another vital thing is to let God's word mentor you in gratitude. There's powerful powerful words in here of wisdom on gratitude. Gratitude is in this book from cover to cover. It's not just written in your DNA. It's written on the pages. It's God's word as he's talked to us about it. Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to God for he's good. His love endures forever, and you're like, oh, that's cool. If you stop and you use your gratitude lens and turn it toward that, and begin to thank God, God, I do give thanks to you because you are good. You give me good things, and I go through, I thank Him for those good things, and then I say, Your love endures forever. Are you thankful that God's love endures? Are you thankful that you can't out sin His grace? Are you thankful that He loves you, you no matter what? Are you thankful that His love gives you second chances and thirty second chances and three thousand chances? We are so grateful. We should be so have so much gratitude just for this that his love endures forever. So we give thanks and let any verse be just the entryway into a world of gratitude for who God is and what he's done. Psalm 107, verse eight, let us praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for us. Let us do that, Orchard. start, Start writing down, start mentally saying, what is it God has done for you? You're breathing, aren't you? Thank you, God. Thank you. I mean, whatever hardship you're in, you're like, this guy, is, he's lost. He doesn't. You don't know what I'm going through. Even someone who says that still has something to be grateful for. You have to use that muscle, and gratitude is a muscle, and for many of us, it is atrophied by discontent. But the more you work out your gratitude, the stronger it gets, the stronger it holds you, even in the face of circumstances that are crumbling around you. Gratitude and contentment hold you. When heaven breaks out in your, when hell breaks out in your life, heaven can hold you fast within. Psalm 50, verse 14, Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. I mean this thankfulness gratitude is our offering it's in our DNA I go to the altar of my life and I offer thanksgiving it is my it is my sacrifice to God God thank you thank you for everything you've given me and I will pray through those things I was designed I was created it's imprinted upon me to be a person of gratitude and so this is my sacrifice to you Colossians 2 verse 15 always be thankful I mean that right there just just sit with that one for a second and and then read in your what you're going through or what you've been through always be thankful Well, what about like this past week what about when the diagnosis is stuff what about the the chaos or the fear with my my dad or what, what about this with my family what there's so many things going on always be thankful It insulates, it incubates your joy. It it, it surrounds your heart. Even further, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul continues, be thankful in all circumstances. The Greek here is clear, it's all. Once again, it's every circumstance you find yourself in. Despite all that you may lack, you are called, you are commanded, you are designed to be grateful in every circumstance. That's a challenge, yeah. The world has waged war against your gratitude. It's time we fight back. In all circumstances, gratitude. Do you know when Paul wrote this, to be thankful in all circumstances? you know when he wrote Colossians, which says, always be thankful? He wrote it in a prison cell for two years. In a prison cell. He said, be thankful in all circumstances while chained to a wall, probably sitting in his own filth. I have an inkling that this was something that Paul practiced because he had plenty to be discontent about. He had plenty to be angry at God. God, if you would only. God, why haven't you? God, Instead, he sat there, chained in a prison for two years, and he said, be thankful in all circumstances. He said, be thankful in all circumstances. Always be thankful. What about Colossians 2.7? Let your heart overflow with thanksgiving in a prison cell. A heart overflowing. Too much. It, he had too much. It's just over. Can you imagine me and those guards? They're miserable. They're sitting there like, look, this guy's a madman. He's a madman. He's, he has joy and peace in prison for two years. No wonder some of the guards that talks about them getting saved. Paul's heart declared gratitude in spite of all that was going on around him. Because his peace and his joy were not rooted in his circumstances. They were rooted in God's spirit and with gratitude. If your joy and your peace depend on your circumstances, you're at the whim of anything to rob you of your joy and peace. But through gratitude, if you live in the present and you're grateful for what God has given you, you can be rooted no matter your circumstances. Paul knew he couldn't control those things. Paul knew he couldn't control what was around him. And there. I just want to remind you, you are in situations where you cannot control the outcomes. You cannot control the diagnosis. You cannot control the other person. You cannot control your children as much as you think you can. There are things we cannot control. The one thing you can, you can have some say about is the, in, the intentional temperature of your own heart. And if you choose gratitude there, it will change everything and how you experience and perceive your life. We need to grow our gratitude muscles. They've been atrophied. This is a place for us to grow. Because here's the best part about gratitude you cannot be grateful and bitter at the same time. Bitterness and gratitude cannot occupy the same space. A truly grateful thought and a negative thought can't coexist at the same time. They can't. So when you choose gratitude, you're choosing that to fill your heart and your mind. And people have come to this false belief. We've come by this honestly. We have come to believe that happy people are grateful. And you see these people and they're so happy. You know, Happy people, they have a lot to be grateful about. Did you ever think that they're grateful and that's why they're happy? That's much more of what it is. Joy is a symptom of gratitude, not the other way around. If you're having a hard time here coming up with anything to be grateful for, here's the last point. <laughs> gratitude is the natural response. I'm sorry, gratitude should be the natural response when you are freely given something of great value. Now, value is different for every person. If you've ever been in the car with a young child and gone to the bank and got a sucker, they have great gratitude because that sucker is huge to them. So you have to realize that the gift is different for everybody. But you have been given something of great value for free. There's gratitude, is often should be what flows from you. This is why the followers of Jesus should overflow with gratitude because we have been given something of indescribable value. That Jesus, our Messiah, came from heaven and lived and died and rose again so that we could have the gift of salvation. So that we don't have to work for it, He did the work for us. It's a free gift. And the overflow of that gift should be gratitude. And I come to a point where, you know, David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He says that in Psalms. Because I take my salvation for granted when I get so busy and worried and comparing and entitled. And David's like, restore the joy of my salvation. Remind me how great the gift is that my sins are not held against me, that you've forgiven my sins, you've moved them as far as the east is from the west, and that you've given me forgiveness in my past and peace in my present and hope in my future, not just someday future, but to tomorrow future. Then praise God for what he's given us. There's so much to be grateful for. So so your gratitude list can simply start with, Jesus, thank you. And if you want to take communion today, that's a great place to start because you're holding the the very symbol of his sacrifice of his body and blood. Thank you that you died on the cross, that you gave up your life, that you bled, that I can walk in freedom. Orchard, we have so much more to be grateful for than we could ever imagine. And your assignment today is to realize war has been waged against you and to begin to fight back begin to bolster and defend yourself, pausing each day to be grateful and fight against the comparison, entitlement, worrying, worrying and busyness that, that hit us. I would encourage you to start a gratitude journal. Set an alarm if you're like me where you just can't remember it. Set an alarm and do three a day in your phone. And maybe you and your family, you start a gratitude jar. So the end of the year, you go back through and you just thank God for, for people that he's blessed you with. And you thank God for how he's blessed you. Make space, make room in your life for gratitude. Make it be, have it be a part of your day as you breathe and you drive and you work that you are grateful as it protects us, defends us, strengthens us against this culture. Not only will your spiritual life grow, not only will your spouse thank you and your kids thank you, your DNA, your telomeres will thank you. It's been proven that gratitude is necessary for life, spiritual and within us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So go forth. Go forth and fight against the comparison, the busyness, and the worry. Go forth and choose gratitude. Go forth and choose to be thankful no matter what God, no matter what life throws your way do this daily let me pray for us father we have so much to be thankful for we are so thankful for you god we are so thankful that you've given us jesus and father i pray in this house right here the, the orchard lord you would you would have us become to be known as people of gratitude that our god the god you imprinted it upon us and we choose it so today we choose gratitude and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said...